Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. All right, so what we're doing here with this brand new series called Small Things, Big Difference, this is a four-series talk on the subject. Let me ask you guys this. How many of you guys made a New Year's resolution by a show of hands? Let me see your hands if you made a New Year's resolution. Not a single one of you other than Misty right here. Oh, there's two of you. Two of you. Or or are you guys, I'm not participating. I don't participate in anything. How many of you guys don't participate in anything? Uh, There's one guy with his hand up. Participating, fail. (laughs) So we we make these New Year's resolutions. If you made a New Year's resolution... How many of you all have already abandoned your New Year's resolution? All right. Still not in participation. That's fine. I love you anyway. (laughs) Do you know that January 17th is national, and I want to get this right, is National Ditch New Year's Resolutions Day? That's a thing. It's on our holiday calendar. National Ditch New Year's Resolution Day, and that was this past week, January 17th, because people make these resolutions, and then they just wind up... They wind up failing at them, feeling overwhelmed, and they're just like, eh, I guess I didn't really mean it. I don't know. And so they bail on their New Year's resolutions. Now, I'm not sure what it is about a new year. I'm not sure I understand what is so magical about a date changing from 2016 to 2017 that fills us with hope and passion that this year is going to be different I don't understand it because, you know, any other time of the year, you can actually decide to make a change in your life. And yet, at Thanksgiving time, you don't hear anybody saying, this is the time that I'm going to cut back and diet. And nobody doing that, right? We wait for this magical time of year. We wait for for the new year to say that I'm going to eat better, that I'm going to exercise, that I'm going to grow spiritually, that I'm going to read my Bible, that this is going to be the year that I'm going to be better with money. This is the year I'll quit smoking. This is the year that I'll spend more time with my kids. This is the year that my, my marriage will grow. This is the year that I'll get involved in a grow group. This, this is the year that I'll do these things. And yet we have this ability the rest of the year to make these changes. I don't know what it is. Now, I also don't know about you guys, but when I see somebody that has something I want, and I don't mean like, you know, a Chipotle burrito. Like, I always, that, that's always a want. That's a, that's a desire. But, but I mean, like, there's a quality about them. There's a skill or a talent. There's a character trait. And I admire in somebody. I'm like, man, I want that. I get a little intimidated. How about you? I, I get intimidated. I feel a little overwhelmed. And then immediately, because I begin to think of all the big things that they probably had to do to get to that point, I become polarized. In other words, frozen in my spot. Like, I, there's no way I could have that. I start saying things like that, Right? There's no way I could be that. There's no way I could behave that way. There's no way that I could become that person. I feel overwhelmed by what they have, and it seems that life that they have seems so distant from my very own, and I just don't know what big changes they made to obtain that. But don't you know, and this is, this is our thought for the entire series, that it's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. If you're taking notes, I'll say it again. It's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. For me, uh, in my life, I've I've had people that that were 
uh, spiritually further along than me. And I said, look, I would love to grow closer with God, and, and, and I just don't know how to do that. How do you develop a relationship with God? You know so much about the Bible. You seem so spiritually empowered. What is different about you? And he said, well, I read my Bible. I read through it once a year. Now, how many of you all hearing that think that that's a very daunting task? Reading your Bible once, all the way through, cover to cover, in a year. That sounds crazy, right? But he said, he said, look, look, he said, there's this plan that you can follow. It's called the Read Your Bible in a Year plan. Hello, right? It's just simple. And he says, all it takes me is 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day of reading your Bible, following this plan, will get you through your Bible in a year. And I was like, well, I, well, I can do 15 minutes. I can give, that sounds like a small thing, right? But that small thing has made a huge change in my life that now I read through the Bible every year. In fact, I'm on a plan where I read through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice every year. That's the plan that I follow. It's called the Life Journal plan. It was easy, and it only takes me 20 minutes of reading a day. But 15 to 20 minutes a day seems like such a small thing that would make such a massive difference in your life. Uh, how many of you guys like to work out? Okay, no, 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 let me change the question. How many of you work out? Because <laughs> I don't really like to work out, right? Yeah, all right, there's a few more of you than the, than the first question. Yeah, so I, I don't really like it. I like the results of it, but I don't really enjoy it. It's not my thing. Getting sweaty and tearing your hands up on the weights and doing work, ugh, who likes that? But you know that when you work out, that a small shift, a small change in posture will will help you work out an entire other muscle group that you didn't know you had. So I'm used to in the gym, this past Friday, I'm used to doing this on a rope, you know, with weights, and you pull, pull towards your face, right? I don't know what you call this, but like it's just, you know, toward your face. And then I've, I've sat on a bench and I pulled that same rope right here, right? Pull like this. But this past Friday, was it Friday, Greg? Friday. That's Greg. He's, he's my, uh, what do we call you? Oh, my encourager. He's my disciplinarian. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> we shifted from here and here to right here. Now, you wouldn't think that that little shift from here, this small distance from here to here would make a difference. But I'm going to tell you, as of yesterday, when I was planning on telling you that, I could not make this motion right here because my traps hurt so bad. That's traps, right? That's a week. Okay, all right, yeah, so... I couldn't do this. I was so sore because, and I've never felt pain in that particular area because a shift from here or here to here changed the muscle group. It was a small change that made a big difference. It was a small shift. If you want to have a good marriage, talk to people that have a good marriage. And one of the simple things that they've shared with me, if you want your marriage to get better, you ready for this? Pray together. I ask married couples all the time, have you and your spouse prayed about this? No. Why not? Start praying together. It doesn't have to be a 20-minute, you know, burn-down-the-house kind of prayer. It doesn't have to be an hour long. It just grab hands and pray together. It's, think about the benefits of this. Not only are you connecting spiritually, but to pray with somebody, if you got issues or beef with somebody, are you going to take time to pray with them? The answer is no. That means you are talking to each other, not only about your issues, but you are willing to sort out your issues so that you can grab hands and pray. It's a small change that makes a big difference. 
So you can have a very, very different year than you've ever had, and it will not take big, big things to get there. Because remember, it's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. And so let me do this. Let me kind of lay a roadmap for the rest of our time today. I'm going to lay a foundation for this whole series coming out of Zechariah uh, chapter 4 here in just a moment. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of tell you where we're going to go through the whole series. And then I have one focused assignment that I'm going to give you. Yes, I'm going to give you something to do today, okay? I'm going to give you an assignment that, that if you'll take the challenge, if you'll do it, it will help make a big difference in your life. So let's just jump in to Zechariah chapter 4. If you don't know where that's at in your Bible, don't stress. I'll have the verses up here on the screen. But let me give you a little bit of context, a little bit of history so you can understand what's happening, okay? The Israelites, this is Jewish people that are in the Bible, they have been uh, exiled. In other words, they have been captured and taken to another country. They're living as slaves in another country, okay? And their temple, when they were captured, was destroyed. Now, the temple is everything to the Jewish people. This is where the spirit, the presence of God resides for them, right? This is where what they call the Shekinah glory. It's the manifested presence of God would rest in what's called the Holy of Holies. This is a big deal to the people of Israel. And their temple has been destroyed, and so they're in exile, and about 587 B.C., a man named Zerubbabel grabs a remnant of them, a small portion of them that are in exile, and he's allowed to take them back home. And so he leads them back home to begin rebuilding Jerusalem and be, re, begin rebuilding the country, okay? And it's 18 years later that the same man named Zerubbabel is crowned their king, he, he's their king, and at this point, 18 years later, he decides it is time to rebuild the temple, okay? So you understand where they're at. This is a really low point for them. They've been back in their, in their hometown. Their temple is still isn't there. They haven't been able to worship God properly. They don't feel like God's presence is with them. And how many of y'all can relate to that? So you, well, you don't feel like God's presence is with you. You just feel so distant. And they feel like God's presence is not with them. They're, they're, not, they're not strong but God is speaking to them now in Zechariah chapter 4. This is a prophet that's talking to them. This is Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, and God is getting ready to do a new thing. And he says, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, the king. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Basically, what he's laying out for the king is that, hey, listen, I'm getting ready to do something and what's going to happen, this rebuilding of the temple that you're getting ready to do, is not going to be by force or by your strength. In other words, this ain't going to have nothing to do with you. You're not going to be able to take credit for it. It is going to be by my spirit, by my power, that this thing is accomplished. And it's going to be done in a way that you're going to be able to look at it and say, man, we didn't have anything to do with that. God did that. What a great thing that was. That was beyond us. And so this is, this is what God is saying to me and you today. Well, we can take away from this is that the things that we've been trying to change about ourselves, the things we've been trying to build in our lives, the things that we've been trying to accomplish, those goals we've been trying to achieve that seem to elude us, that this could be a very different year for you. This could be a very different year for you, and I believe that it will be when you tap into the power that God has for you. I believe that this could be the year where God reveals his strength in your weakness, where everything changes for you. And it won't have anything to do with you. It's going to have everything to do with his will and his desire to bless you and his power that's at work in your life. But you have to choose to tap into that power. That's okay. It's good. 
you got to choose to tap into that. It's like this. My wife, she likes to do DIY projects, do-it-yourself stuff. Do I have any do-it-yourselfers out there? A few of you guys. My wife is like the, the Pinterest queen. She loves this stuff. And sometimes I don't even realize that a project is brewing at my house. Because what she does is she goes and buys these items that will be Frankenstein together to create something that is beautiful that I could have never imagined in my lifestyle. One project this past week came to fruition. Last summer, and sometimes it takes a while for it to happen, okay? So she just buys this stuff and it sits in the garage. And I'm like, why is that out there? Well, last summer we went on our, on our uh, anniversary. We went to Amish country and she saw an old barn ladder that she just had to have for $15. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Get it. Let's do it. $15, that, that makes you happy? Done. Love it. So we throw it in the car, and it's been in the garage since June last year. Well, this past week, that whole project came to fruition. And what she did with this thing was hang it like a chandelier from my ceiling and wrapped all kinds of Edison bulbs and lights around it, and it's beautiful. I would have never imagined anything like that, but she needed me to get involved to do it. She's like, babe, I'm going to need you to do that. And I love those moments, right, because I get to come to the rescue. I get to be the man because I'm not very manly. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm just not. I mean, I just, I just don't do a whole lot of manly things, you know, that, you, that I get to grunt and go, mm, like I did that, you know. So when she has something, I, lo- I love to try my hand at it. But I'm going to tell you more often than not, when my wife gets in over her head and she calls me in, that it isn't very long after she calls me in that I generally know that I'm in over my head. And do you know what I do? I call my brother Jeremy. Do you know why I call Jeremy? Because Jeremy got power tools. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Like, when you are not using power tools, the job takes longer. It is exhausting. And you are all kind of hurt for days because you didn't use power tools. Right? And my brother will show up with his power tools, and he will have that job done, zip, 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 in five minutes. And it's like, why didn't we just call him in the first place? Maybe it has something to do with my pride. I'm not sure. But I want to try my hand at that stuff. But when you connect to power tools, when you use these powerful tools that are at your disposal, the job gets done easier. You understand where I'm getting ready to go, right? Because when you connect to the power of the Holy Spirit, that power that is available to you, you can do things that you've never been able to do before in a shorter amount of time. And that's what God's telling Zerubbabel. Hey, this is getting ready to happen. I'm getting ready to do it by my spirit. And I'm getting ready to give you some power tools that you don't have available to you unless you tap into this. So... Those of you that have been wanting to change, that you've been trying to change with no difference made in your life, I promise you that if you connect to this power, you will, you will have what you're looking for. You will have that change. You will accomplish great things. Verse 7 says, nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. I love it. When God gives you a vision for something, he's already got a vision for how this thing's going to end. You know what I mean? And he's just encouraging you, look, you're going to start this thing and you're going to finish it well, all right? And then he goes on to say in verse 8, he says, then another message came to me from the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of the temple and he will complete it. Now, the reason this message comes 
is because at this time, Zerubbabel has already started. Now, I know we're reading this within the context of one verse after another, but there's been a time that has passed. Then another message came. So there's been a time period here where they started the building of the temple. And the building of the temple did not get off to a great start. It was slow. The people were kind of upset. They were, they were kind of overwhelmed by how slow it was going. They were depressed. Like this, they didn't think anything was going to come of it. In fact, in the book of Ezra, it talks about how the people were so depressed that everything was moving so slowly that they even cried about it. We understand this, right? You set aside a goal and you're like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work out this year. And so you spend so much time in the gym and you get your diet just right and you go and get on the scale after a week of working hard and you've lost one pound or no pound at all. Hello? That's, that's depressing. You might even cry over something like that. You might even feel completely overwhelmed by something like that. Others of you, you decide to make changes in your life, and three days in, you've already made the mistake, and you've already gone back to it. And you feel overwhelmed and compelled to just throw up your hands and go, you know what, I, I can't do this after all. I don't know why I thought I could try, I could try this. We feel, we feel depressed, and this is what the people were experiencing. These, this slow start, this humble beginning made them feel like crying. I understand it. Do you know that when I first started Simple Church, it was January 2013, so four years ago, around this time. Do you know what I was doing? Will and April knows. What were we doing? Where were we? We were meeting in my house, weren't we? There was 30 of us, and that was adults and kids. And yes, we counted the kids, because kids count. 30 people. And I looked at the 30 people and I said, I, how are we going to start a church with just 30 people? At the time, I felt like, is this, is this what we're going to do? Like, this is so small. This is so humble. I was thankful for everybody who came, but you understood. I believe that we were going to start this massive launch and that we were, there was going to be 150 people the first day. And I was like, Lord, I'm thankful for the 30 people, but where's everybody else? And four years later, look at what God has done. Look where we are. I never would have imagined it looked like this. I didn't know who all of you were going to be, but look what God has done and continues to do. From small, humble beginnings, God has changed us and grown us. And so I felt like crying at the time, but, but God has, has been faithful to us. Verse 10, he says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise your small beginnings. God gets excited when you take those first steps towards whatever it is you're working towards. Because as you start taking those steps, though that step may be small, and that step, you may falter on it. Maybe you deal with addiction, and that first step away from addiction, you fell down and you wound up back doing the same things. But you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you take another step, and you take another step. And the next thing you know, you're taking bigger steps, and you're walking into your destiny. But it's those small steps that got you started that will take you where you need to be, right? Feeling like a Pentecostal preacher up in here this morning, doing these things, right? Come on now. Some of y'all grew up in that, and you know what I'm talking about. Look, I'm even just waving my hand. I just waved my hand. I need to just grab my pulpit, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Some of y'all have no idea what we're talking about, and that's okay. That's okay. I love you. <laughs> not like this every Sunday, I promise. 
I just told you, I'm busting, I'm excited. This message and what I'm going to share with you today changed my church and my life. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. So don't despise the small things God loves when you get started. And one of the challenges of starting is that we see someone that has what we want. We see somebody that, that is what we want to become. And we, we get overwhelmed. We feel like, man, there's too many. That there was big stuff Big stuff that they did to get there. But you need to understand that when you are looking at the person you admire, that you are looking at their highlight reel, that you are looking at somebody who's gone on a journey of small steps and falters and mistakes who is now standing where they stand, having what you want. It was small things that they did to get where they are now. Look at the Bible. Look at the heroes that we admire in the Bible. King David. He wasn't always King David. David killed Goliath. We know that story, but you know what David was doing before that? He was tending sheep. Before he was a man that they sang praises to, before he was ever King David, he was a boy that his family had discounted and considered him a servant. In fact, made him a shepherd because that's what servants did, was tend to the sheep. And instead of making him a family member who did, was about the family business, they sent him out to be with the sheep. For weeks at a time. In fact, when, Jesse, when, when Samuel came to anoint one of his sons king, Jesse didn't even call his boy in. He didn't even consider David to be one of his sons. That's who David was. Maybe you can relate. I don't know. But David was out taking care of the sheep, doing small things before he ever defended God's flock. Doing something small. Look at, at Ruth. Some of you know the story of Ruth. It's a great love story. And you ladies, you want your Boaz. You're like, man, Boaz was fine. Boaz was kind. Boaz was, was generous. He was a man of character and integrity, a man of honor. I want a man like that. But before Ruth ever got to having a man like Boaz, she was faithful. See, Ruth is a woman whose husband died. And she could have gone back to her home country, but her mother-in-law, Naomi, said, hey, you can go. And she said, no, I'm staying with you. I'm going to be faithful to you. You've lost everything. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to go to a foreign country where you're at. I'm going to be faithful to you here. I'm going to work in the fields. I'm going to be faithful to that. I'm going to care for you. Before she ever got her Boaz, she was faithful in small things and in little ways. Look at Daniel. Daniel, the guy who, who was thrown into the lion's den, who wasn't eaten, right? We want that kind of faith. We're like, man, that's exciting. Could you imagine the kind of, the kind of like, uh, uh, reputation he carried among the people? In fact, we know some of it. When he came out of it, they said, hey, we're going to worship his God. That guy's God just protected him from the lions. But before he ever had that reputation, before that ever happened, Daniel was faithful daily. Three times to stop what he was doing and pray. You want to have Daniel's kind of faith? Be faithful in the small things. John Wooden, who was a UCLA basketball coach back in the 60s and 70s, he said this. He, he uh, had 10 national championships, just so you know who this man was. Seven of them were consecutive, back-to-back. -back. It's unheard of. Seven national championships back-to-back -back from the year 67 to 73. That's who John Wooden is. 
And John Wooden, when he became the coach of the team, the very first days in practice, he didn't have them out running drills or shooting hoops. They didn't touch a ball. He took his team and he sat them down in the locker room. And you know what he did? He had them practice putting on their socks. He had them practice tying their shoes right. And they became a team that the small things mattered to them because the small things, the details of things matter. This is what John said. He said, it's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. It's the little things. And so often it's the small things people don't see that make up the big things that everyone wants. And so in the next couple weeks, let me tell you where we're going. We as a church are going to talk about small things, small adjustments that we can make that make a big difference. And we're going to look at three very, very small things. We're going to look at our thoughts, we're going to look at our words, and then we're going to look at our habits. Why? Well, because our thoughts shape our words, and then our words shape our, our habits or what it is our actions and what we do. And then our actions become our habits, and our habits determine our destiny. So thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, and habits determine destiny. It's important that we look at it. So next week, we're going to look at our thoughts because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's important that we understand our thought life and how that impacts us. It seems like it's so small, but it's so important. And then the third week, we'll look at our words. The Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. So the way that you speak The things that you say about yourself will shape who you are. It shapes what you do. And then the last week, we're going to look at our habits because we become what we repeatedly do. If you want to become different, you need to change what it is that you do. So we're going to look at those three things. Make small changes in the way that we think, speak, and the way that we behave. And those small changes may be in ways that no one will notice, but it will bring about the, the results that we've always wanted. Now today, the way I want to spend the rest of our time is talking about your one thing. Your one thing. You say, was that just an introduction to your message? Yes, it was. Don't worry, I got out first service on time and actually a little early, so don't stress. We'll, we'll still be out early and on time, all right? When you look at, at, at this one thing, what I'm talking about is the power of focus. The power of a focused life. When you look to the Bible and you study out the the phrase, the one thing, you'll find that there are people that you admire through the Bible that had one thing. King David is one of them. He said this, one thing I desire, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, your one desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guess what? You'll keep that one thing in front of you. And what happens when you keep that one thing in front of you is you begin to make decisions. You begin to live your life in such a way that you will be able to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And at the end of your life, the Bible writes about David. His life is that he was a man after God's own heart. That was his one thing. He had this individual focus. Look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was stoned, and I don't mean recreationally. Some of you are like, that's in the Bible? That's awesome. Let's pack up and go to Colorado right now. That's not what I mean. He was stoned. I mean, they threw heavy rocks at him to try to kill him. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was in prison. He was in shipwrecks. He'd been bitten by snakes. This dude suffered a lot, 
And yet he didn't allow the pains of his life to stop him. No, he said, I have one thing, one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards what God has for me. That's what he said. He didn't get hung up by his past. He didn't get caught up in the fact, well, I've been beaten, and I mean, they they did try to kill me. Paul remained a prisoner for the remainder of his days until they took his life. He didn't stress about any of that. He said, I'm just looking forward because in the middle of this mess, every single one of those has defined my character in a different way. And God's got something for me. Now, this is, this is more than just being an optimist. This is having faith and hope and confidence in a God who is faithful. He said, there may be a bunch of mess here, but I'm going to step out. I'll come out. And even though his life ended here, when he exited this world, he stepped into glory to meet Jesus. Come on, somebody. He had one thing. As amazing of a life that you will have when you focus on one thing, there is much tragedy that comes when you miss your one thing. When we look in the Bible, Jesus is hanging out with, with Lazarus, with Mary, and with Martha. And he's at their house, and Martha is in the kitchen, banging the pots and pans. She's making dinner. Getting everything ready. The sauce is going, everything's, but everything is overwhelming her. And Martha could use a little bit of help. And her sister Mary, by the time and the tradition of the day, should have been in the kitchen with her. And Martha was busy, but Jesus was in the house. Jesus was there. And so when Martha went to find Jesus and tell on Mary, she finds Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, fellowshipping with her Savior. And she says, hey, I got stuff to do. I could really use her help. Would you get her into the kitchen? He said, nope. She's found her one thing, and it will not be taken from her. And this is the better thing, Martha. Another man in the Bible that we see, his his name, his only name that we know him by is Rich Young Ruler. How many of y'all would like to have that name, right? We don't even need to know this guy's name. His reputation precedes him. We will know him, that he is rich, he is young, and he is a ruler. And all the girls said, oh. (laughs) And he comes up to Jesus and he's like, hey, I'm missing something. I want to follow you. This is a guy, this is a good dude. He followed the law. He followed Moses' law. He'd been faithful to it. Obviously, he he did really, really well in his business endeavors. This is a sharp guy. But he missed his one thing. And he said, what do I do? And Jesus said, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Go sell all your stuff and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the Bible says that that young man walked away from Jesus sad because he wasn't willing to do this one thing. He wasn't willing to be obedient and follow Jesus. He missed it. And it's amazing what a life of focus can bring. Because remember, it's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. <clears throat> so here's your assignment, Simple Church. And don't stress, it isn't heavy. You probably won't even need to write it down because it'll be easy to remember. Your assignment is one word. One word. I want to challenge you to find your one thing. And I want you to make it as simple as one word. 
Now, I'm not asking you for New Year's resolutions. I don't want a list of three things because if you give me those things, if you decide those things, you'll never do them. I want you to decide one thing, one word that will be the North Star, the thing that you will follow for this year. And I want you to use it to bring focus to your life so that you can engage with the power of focus. It is one small thing, one word that will change the outcome of your year. See, I'm I'm up here saying this with confidence as if I'm a man who has known this for years and years. I'm not. I'm a man who learned it last year. See, I heard a pastor talking about this one word. And he was like, and I prayed to God and asked God for my one word to shape our vision for the year. And I was like, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to do that. I didn't know why he was doing it. He didn't explain why. He was just talking about it in a sermon. I said, I'm going to do that. And so December 2012, I said, or not 12, uh, 2015, I said, Lord, what is my one word to guide us for 2016? And he gave me one word. Many of you know it. I've shared it many times. Does anybody know what that word was? Grow. That's right. The word was grow. So all of 2016, I'm talking about grow, grow, grow. And I used this one word to focus what we would do as a church. It led to us reshaping our vision statement, reaching people far from God, and teaching them to follow Jesus step by step. We crafted that, and now we use that to guide us. This word grow had us looking at all different levels of this church, our infrastructure, the way that we operate. It started with my leadership. And I said, if we're going to grow as a church, we need to be committed to grow individually. And so we all took a month. We said 30 days. We said, we're going to read this book together. The name of the book was Ready, Set, Grow. I can't make this stuff up. And we read it, and in it, it outlined and said, listen, if you as a leader are not willing to invest in yourself, you'll never be able to take somebody to a place that you've never been. And if you cannot invest in yourself, you'll never be able to pull someone up. You'll never be able to take them to a place they've never been. And so as a leadership team, we decided to read books together. We decided to make sure we had Bible reading plans in place. We started in May of last year. And we began on a plan. They committed to reading so many books. Some we read together and we talk about, others that we don't. But they're committed to reading books and growing. And then we also said, hey, we're going we're gonna to listen to podcasts of different sorts, whatever it is you like, so that you are getting exposure to different ideas through parenting, biblical-based stuff, whatever it is, whatever interests you, but I want you growing. You see, 52 podcasts here, and that's a lot. Not if you do one a week. Small thing, big difference. So my leadership committed to growing personally. And then, of course, we, we, we developed growth track as a result of that. We attended a conference called Grow, and they started talking about this growth track and this intentionality for people, and we brought it here. And now growth track is having an impact on people's lives. There are 22 people that are missing from this auditorium right now because they're in there in growth track right now. That was the count before service started, and there may have been more people going in there. 22 this morning on step four who have completed that journey and are saying, I'm ready to begin making a difference. I get excited about that stuff. Sorry, you have to help me. Leave me alone. Let me be. I'm happy. We we examined our grow groups and said, look, we can structure these different. We can schedule them different. We We can have them operate a different way. We talked about our Christians, our new Christians, people that said yes to Jesus and said, what do we have for them? Because our new Christians, they need to understand how to grow in their walk with Christ. And we began looking at what we do, and we did nothing. For three years, we offered no help to new baby Christians. Can you believe that? 
It was a gap in our, in our process. It was a gap in our church that we were not bridging. And as a result of this one word, grow, we discovered it. And we built a bridge. We built a grow group called Christian Essentials that new baby Christians, or even if you've been a Christian for a long time, if you want the essentials of Christianity, come on in. There's a grow group for you. I think there's three of them forming this time around because we have so many people that want to jump in there. And then we're doing baptisms on the second Sunday of every month because new baby Christians need that. We changed everything because of one word, grow. Our teaching series last year was based around this. This one word, as the Spirit led, we, we decided on, to go on a journey. Some of them being rich, growing in generosity, the walking dead, growing in our faith and reliance in God, friending, growing in our relationships. These are the names of the series that we did, the talks that we did. Ghost, learning to grow in the gifts of the Spirit, and then fixing us, which is growing our marriages. This, this is the focus. And as a result of that focus of a year, our church, the climate and face of our church and everything that we do has changed. This year... Our focus is one word. I asked God for another word. Do you know what that word is? Prayer for this year, 2017. The one word is prayer. What was our first series that we did? Prayer. That was the first talk we did this year. It was all on prayer. What are we in right now in the middle of 21 days of prayer? That's right. God has laid on my heart this one word so that we can develop a culture of prayer at this church. My first leadership meeting with my leaders, we took the first 20 minutes of that leadership meeting, and do you know what we did? Prayer. This one word is going to guide our year, and we will allow it to guide us because at the end of the year, it will have shaped us and made us something that we were not before. One word. It's that simple. So what is your one word? Maybe you don't know what it is. Yeah, you got a personal word. I've never had a personal word. Last year I did this one word thing for the very first time for the church. And I said, this year I've got to have a word. I got one word. You ready for my word? I'll share it with you. I don't care. I'll be transparent. It's health. Now I know that you're shocked by that because I'm such a picture of health. Let me look to the side here. You got that over there? You guys got that over there? I'm not the picture of health. I got other physical issues that come along with just being overweight, but my one word is health because I want to deal with those things this year. I want to be different, and it's going to take small changes in my life that will lead to great things, big things. It's not this massive thing. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's small changes, celebrating those small victories along the way. And so I'm, I'm going to let it change me. I'm going to let this one word guide me for the year. Do you know what I did? I took that one word and I put it in front of me, which is what I want you to do. When God gives you your one word, I want you to put it in front of you. I took it and I put it on my mirror in my bathroom and I wrote it in my wife's very expensive lipstick, which she didn't know until first service this morning. <laughs> but it's up there. I wrote it on the mirror because I want to be able to see it, and then I grabbed a scripture verse. Why? Because I'm going to tap into a power that is beyond me in order to accomplish this, because I don't know how long you've known me, but I have struggled with my health for years. With much repentance, much tears, much praying, <laughs> and yet, this is going to be my year. One word is going to shape my year, and then it will shape me. And hopefully, I will be in a different shape by the end of the year.
I will be in shape. Because right now, I'm like a circle shape, you know? I was just helping the people that are listening by podcast because they've got no visual on me, right? I'm round. And so my verse is this. I'll share you my verse. It's, it's, it's 3 John 1 and 2. Some of you are familiar with this. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. See, for me being in pain and because I've got other health issues that I've kind of left unchecked and kind of delayed dealing with, this one word, health, has already got me thinking about how I can handle those things differently and get myself out of pain. Because when I'm in pain, it's like taking a depression pill, right? I am just like this. And the things that God has for me to do, the relationships God has for me to build, the ways that he wants me to live my life, I just kind of, I'm just hurting today. I can't do anything. I don't want to get off the couch. I don't want to do that. And so it's time for me to be in health and prosper as my soul is prospering, as my spirit is prospering. Because imagine what I can accomplish. Forget you imagining it, I'm imagining it. You wonder why I'm so excited? I have a lease on my year. I have a lease, new lease on life for my year. I've got one word, and it's health. I'm going to be healthy. So here's what I want you to do. Here's your assignment. I want you to pray about this. And when you pray, I want you to listen. What is your one word? What is your one God-given word? Because listen, when God gives you a word, I know that he will also connect you to the power to accomplish it. What is your one word? And I want you to pray about it and decide your one word is this, and then put it somewhere. Maybe put it in a frame. I have friends who use Post-it notes, or they'll, they'll print, off, print off something and handwrite it, stick it to their cabinets, write it on your mirror. Don't use your wife's expensive lipstick. That's a really bad idea that I'm gonna pay for later. Get a, get a dry erase. I'd tell you to tattoo it on your body, but you know, I mean, after 18 years of doing that, this was 2017, this was 2018, this was 2019, and, and the same word is 2020, because I didn't get it done in 2019. And don't, don't tattoo it on yourself. But get it someplace that you can see it, so that you can allow it to shape your thoughts. And I promise you that you will have a very different year. I don't know what your word may be. Maybe your word is faith. Maybe you need to trust God more. Maybe your word is restoration and you have a bunch of relationships you need restored in your life or you would like to see your health restored or something restored in your life. This is your year of restoration. Or maybe, maybe this, your one word is freedom. <coughs> maybe you feel like food controls you or substance controls you or a relationship controls you or your past controls you and you need freedom. This can be your year of freedom. Or maybe you just want to be more generous. Maybe your word is generous. You say, I, I, you know, I give a little bit, you know, in, in my community. I give a little bit at church. I, I do, I, 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 but I could be more generous. Maybe my word is generous. I don't know what your word will be, but I want you to write it down. And then I want you to find a verse. Ask God for your word. And then I want you to get a verse. You say, well, I don't know my Bible that well. That's fine. Google does. If your word is believe, go, hey, Google. Y'all can just talk to your watches or talk to your phone. Hey, Google, where's the word believe in the Bible? And it will show you all the places. There is probably a website dedicated to whatever word you're looking for. 100 verses in the Bible on the word health. You'll find it. 
And then one of those verses is going to stand out to you, and you're going to latch onto it, and it's going to feed your spirit. You're going to connect to the Spirit of God that wants to empower you to do something you've never been able to do before. It's simple, isn't it? One word, and one verse. Because what's going to happen when you connect to the power of God and you are faithful in the small things is that one day this year, maybe your, your goal is to get in shape. And one day this year, you're going to be in shape. And somebody's going to take notice and say, what happened to you? You used to be round and now you're trim and fit. Or somebody's going to look at you and your marriage and say, what happened? Y'all were on the rocks. You guys were days away from signing your divorce paperwork. And now you're all over each other. And every time I see you, I just want to tell you to get a room because you're like in love. Right? One day this year, it will happen. If you'll live a life of focus, everything will change. One word, one verse. And here's the good news. God loves when we are faithful in small things. When we we will be faithful with small things, God will trust us with bigger things. There's a story that Jesus told, a parable of the talents, they call it. A talent was a group of money. It was like a bag of money. And he tells a story of a master who has a few servants. And to one servant, he gives him four talents of money, four bags of money. Another one, he gives two talents of money. And another one, he gives one. And the master goes away, and there's a time period in which they were to do something with that money. Two out of the three did. The one who was given one talent buried it and did nothing with it, didn't grow it. He was, he was afraid. But the other two were faithful The guy with four had multiplied that four bags of money into eight bags of money. The guy with two had multiplied it into four bags of money. And when the master came back, he was upset with the guy who did nothing, but the guys who were faithful with small, he said this, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. God loves it when you get started on these, on these small ways. And then you show yourself faithful over time with the small things. Because it will transition, it will change everything about you. He is looking for people to be faithful so he can bless them with bigger things. And it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Never overlook the power of focus. Never dismiss it. Though it's something small, though it's just one word, that one word will shape your year, and then your year will shape you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of focus. And that that focus, Lord, will change us this year. That it's something so small will set a course for us. Father, I pray that we would be faithful. I wonder who in this room would say, Aaron, I'm going to take that challenge from you. I'm going to pray and ask God for one word and one verse. Is there anybody that would do that? Would you just slip your hand up and let me know? That's me. I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to do one word, one verse. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a lot. Yeah. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Father, I pray that these guys that are going to ask you for one word, that you would give it to them. That you would open the ears of our hearts and our minds to hear your voice. 
Lord, that we would be able to differentiate between the noise and the bad pizza that we ate last night that's talking to us. Lord, may we hear clearly our one word. And I pray that that one word, as we decide it, as we hear it, that you would confirm it for us. And then, Lord, I pray that you would lead us to one verse. That though Google may give us the list, that out of the list, you would lead us to that one verse that would connect us to a power that is greater than us, that will transform us. As we continue to pray, there are those of you here, you hear, you hear what's happening, you hear we're talking about a relationship with God, we hear how God wants to bless you, we hear all this about God, but the problem is, is you're not connected with God. You're not following Jesus, you're not living your life the way God has laid out for you, and you need an opportunity to fix that. So here's your opportunity. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. What I'm going to do is pray a prayer. And maybe you right now have decided, you know, Aaron, there's one word that is going to define me. Maybe that one word right now is believe. Maybe you've struggled to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. Maybe you struggled to believe that God loves you. Maybe you struggled to believe any of this, anything that the Bible says. I'm not sure. But if you're here today and you say, Aaron, I want to believe, maybe that's your word. Others of you, your word may look different. Maybe your word is just simply surrender. Maybe you felt God drawing you into his presence. Week after week you come here and you fear him, feel him drawing and yet you're like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm ever gonna be good enough. I don't think I can live this life. It seems too hard and yet God keeps drawing you and you keep coming and your one word right now is surrender. That you would be willing to surrender to his spirit. To his drawing you into relationship with him. Others of you, your word might just be confessed. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. Maybe that's your word. You just need to confess it. You need to pray it. You need to tell other people that you're following Jesus. Others of you, your one word may just simply be turned. We call that repentance, but you need to turn from your way of doing things and follow after his way for your life. I'm not sure what your one word is, but I know that these things, these words all begin with a prayer. And I'm gonna pray that prayer in just a moment. I'll give you the words to say. You don't need to stress about that. But if you're here in this room, and you say, Aaron, I'm gonna join you in that prayer. Everybody's got their eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. But if that's you and you're going to join me, would you just shoot your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm going to join you this morning. I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm going to connect with God through his son, Jesus. I want to start over. I may not be perfect at it. I may not know what I'm doing, but I'm willing to give it a start. I'm willing to take a small step, and this is my small step now, and I will have it. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me. That's my small step. I'm going to take a small step. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray the words. If you're watching by Periscope Live right now, I believe with all of my heart that God is right there with you and he will meet you where you're at. If you'll join us in prayer, the trajectory of your life and your year will change. If you're listening by podcast, I believe the same. Pray this prayer with us now. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth. You lived a sinless life. And you died on the cross and rose from the dead. I believe you did all that 
in an insane act of irrational love for me. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Take my life and give me the life you have for me. Show me how to live for you, Jesus. And I'll spend every day doing it. Thank you. Amen.